I am privileged to welcome another animator into um, the football library. I haven't yet welcomed David Squires. Jim Norley, do you read uh, David Squires' cartoons on a Tuesday in The Guardian? Yeah, I've seen them. They're terrific. Top, it's like a typical cartoonist. He introduces what's going on in the world uh, into the panels. Uh, he's at his best, I think, when he's talking about his beloved Swindon town, uh, the pride of Wiltshire, and I suppose an immediate equivalent in that they've got uh, an owner who pours the money in, some big legends, brief um, halcyon days, uh, but are one of those teams. So if I bracket Gillingham with Swindon, will you be appalled or do you half see my point? I see your point, but it's hard not to be appalled because of the history between Gillingham and Swindon. It's not, um, we're not the not the, uh, best of friends, shall I say. Because of what? Well, it all stems back to 1979. Because it it's always been a strange one amongst outsiders, the, the distance between the two towns. Um, so it's, it's more of a historical rivalry. So yeah, 1979, Liam played Swindon at home. It was quite a, a sort of top-of-the-table clash. And Pack Stadium, Liam went into an early two-goal lead. It has become a, a common theme, really, throughout history. Threw that away just before half-time to go back to 2 all. And Gilliam's star striker, Danny Westwood, was then sent off after uh, he was fouled. And he swore at the ref. The ref sent him off and allegedly pulled out his road tax disc at first before uh, showing him the red card. Yeah, and then after then, it just, like that, it just got um, a bit of a heated match and tackles flying everywhere. The ref lost total control. A fan ran onto the pitch and punched the ref in the face. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, it all stemmed from then. And then the return leg, like, uh, which was, I think, like a month later, we played them up there. And a, a similar things happened there. I think we had two another player sent off fans were biting and everything this is all before i was born by the way but it's it, it's one of those things i've grown up learning to hate swindon and uh i never really knew why until we get a bit older and then and then in the 80s we played them in a playoff final the first ever playoff final when the first season they were introduced and um lost in the final and there as well and it didn't help matters, I don't think. But, yeah, it's a, a strange but, rivalry. But, yeah, it's wow. one that still exists today. However, David Squires, Swindon fan, wonderful animation. It's him, Paul Trevelyan. Yeah, him and um, th- there are there are a few wonderful... And Stanley Chow, who does the portraits, who is superlative. There's a bit of Stanley Chow about your art. I don't know if you're influenced in particular by any animator... But they seem quite sui generis. There are these, you don't draw facial features, but they are identifiable, your drawings. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, a minimalistic approach, really. I mean, the idea with the Gillingham Legends was there's a lot of football art out there. You see it online, on social media. It's all sort of mainly Premier League and all the top clubs, as, as everything seems to be. And um, there's quite a good following for Gillingham on there. Obviously, it's my team. I know a lot about them. And I thought it'd be quite good to draw a few Gillingham players. And then started looking at what sort of players I could do and going a bit back a bit further and realised, actually, we've got quite a, we had quite a lot of good players play for us. The minimalist thing worked well because then I, I could get them done quicker. You know what I mean? But it's kind of a 
my own sort of distinctive style. Yeah, I've got through, in the end we had a 175. Number one, of course, uh, is Andy Hessenthaler, former Watford manager, but most closely associated with Gillingham. I'm looking now, uh, page 191 of your book, Gillingham Legends. And he was voted, Hessenthaler, the greatest ever legend. Do you imagine that a lot of Gillingham fans will have this print on their office walls very soon? Um, well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah um, when we did that, we did the, the survey to sort of pick the best Gillingham's 11 and, uh, and then the greatest of all. And it, it was no real surprise that Mr Hessenthaler was the, the first choice out of the vibes, I think it was only a small percentage that didn't vote for him at all in their 11, which uh, raised a few eyebrows on, is that popular at Gillingham? Signed by Tony Pulis. At the end, I think when we signed from Watford, he was into his 30s by then. He, he started late. He, he became prefer- term private 25, I think, when wow. he signed for Watford. Yeah, we signed him. He, I think he lived reasonably locally anyway. And uh, he was our record signing at the time, 235,000, signed by Tony Pulis. And uh, he was just a revelation from the first minute. One of those players that just gives you 100% commitment and passion. And he got stuck in. And uh, that's the, the thing he's most famed, like, sort of famed for, I think, is that style of play. But he was actually a good player as well. He could play, he could dribble. But in the end, he, he ended up staying 10 years, managed the club as well. He came back as manager later on and shooting them through and through, I think. And uh, yeah. Yeah, do you remember seeing Hessenthaler in a Watford shirt against Gillingham? I'm not sure if against Gillingham, because I, I don't, certainly when I started going in the early 90s, I don't think um, we ever played Watford, to be honest, because I think we were we were never in the same division. These were the, This was the days when Gillingham were perennial strugglers at the bottom of Division 4. Ah, well then, no. OK, that was, I was going to check that. I just thought I'd ask. But I, I do, I remember seeing him play for Watford when... They won't tell you or anything like that. And he was a player that always sort of stood out, I think. And that's one of the things actually when we played for Gillingham, when in um, 99 to 2000, we had our best ever cup run and got to the quarterfinals against Chelsea. Um, we lost 5 0 that day, but it was we weren't expected to do anything, and it was the furthest we ever got, and it was a great day out. Essen Taylor, with his blonde hair, Little short blonde and short guy running about the pitch, covered every blade of grass as he always did. After the game, apparently um, Ken Bates, who was the chairman at the time at Chelsea, was in- inquiring about him, and then found out that he was about thirty-five at the time. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't a squad game back then. No. <laughs> um, we will we'll get back to the great Tony Pulis, but I just wanted to pick out just one player uh, from the many in this book, Gillingham Legends. Michael Flynn. This is Newport Michael Flynn. It is, yeah. yeah. Could you think yeah. that he'd be such a fantastic manager when he was playing for Gillingham between 2005 and 2007? No, probably not. I, I don't, certainly never entered my head. Um, he was a good player. But yeah, I, 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 I'm surprised. Well, not, I wouldn't say surprised, but I'm... I, I, I didn't see him being as, as successful as a manager as he is. And he's done a fantastic job. And I only ask that because if worst comes to the worst with Steve Evans and yeah. um, 
Paul Scally can waggle a checkbook at him, would Michael Flynn be the next in line? I would not be surprised. No, I think I think a lot of fans welcome that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I think I think there's some because there's still a uh, reasonable sized percentage of fans that don't don't want Steve Evans anyway, just because of, not because of he's done a good job, but they didn't want him in the first place, and they still stick by their guns, which is fair enough for them. Yeah, um, but I've heard people say that they would like Mike Flynn to come in now. Yeah, I, I, I think he'd, he'd do a good job, definitely. He's proven himself to Newport. And in, if Newport go up, then he'll take his team to the Priestfield next year because uh, yeah. Newport and Gillingham will be in the same division. Gillingham are one of those teams that, as Kevin Day says in his excellent book, Who Are You?, have always struggled. Uh, but that's because, like someone like Wigan, Wigan's a bad example, you know what I mean, uh, bouncing around the lower echelons of the professional game, their 1940s was perhaps less awful than other teams because in 1938, um, when Gillingham finished bottom of Division 3 bracket south, uh, what happened? Um, is this when, we, when the, the war broke out? Well, the war the broke out, year. but the re-election committee said right, that the yeah, only sure. pro team in Kent couldn't become... Uh, a member of Division Three South for another season. So for the entire 1940s, Gillingham were back in. It was it the Kent League. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then we um, after the after the war, I think we were winning the division every year, um, beating teams like the City Scorelines. And a couple of the players are in the book that scored hundreds of goals, but couldn't go up. Because we, we they wouldn't re-elect us. I can't imagine it would be fun watching every week when you're just winning every week by a city scoreline. You're not challenging yourself, and they yeah uh, yeah for some reason they wouldn't let them go up. No, and then sanity prevailed, uh, and Gillingham had a, an up and down time of it before you first watched Gillingham, aged eight. In 1989, what was it like, A, going to see football at age eight and B, going to watch football at age eight in 1989? <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't remember a huge amount about the game. I remember that we, we were playing Chesterfield and we won 3-0. Um, Steve Lovell scored two goals that day. But the biggest thing about the, the game was it was actually um, the day our goalkeeper, Ron Hillyard, broke the record for the most appearances for Gillingham, something like over 600 games. It is, it's now. ghastly. He played for about 15 yeah. years. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you re- rarely see that at all these days, anything like that. Um, is he still about? Yeah, he, I actually worked with his son going back a few years, but I'm still in contact with his son. And uh, yeah, Ron is still about, he's still local, I think, and um, happily retired now, but... That's wonderful. That really is good because, um, as you say, over a hundred of these players have signed for your own benefit and for a fan's benefit. Uh, these animations, uh, the strips are wonderful, the shorts, the boots, uh, the captain's armband. We'll get to particular players. Uh, but 1989, Doug Hudson became the stadium announcer. And one of the legends of any lower professional club is the voice of Gillingham. So, what can you tell me about Doug? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Doug, yeah, he's, he's another one who's part of the furniture at Priestfield now. He's 1989, he started doing that and he's still doing it now. Um, even through um, 
the pandemic, when we've not been allowed to come to the games, he's still been there. He's still doing the announcing, does sort of live feeds before the game, which all the, the messages and things to fans, um, live via Facebook. But yeah, he's a real character, and he's I think he's got himself into trouble with um, opposing teams a few times. He has um, he's got a book out as well. I think he released a book last year, an autobiography. Ah, so, yeah. well, he's not yeah. the only stadium announcer. Everton's wrote a book. George Sefton, who's the Liverpool announcer, has also written a book. Yeah. Um, but I will induct that book, as I will induct yours, into the football library. You do get your laminated football library card, which usually has Brian Glanville. But I believe there's a more famous Brian connected to Gillingham, whose head looks a bit like a planetarium. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Brian Moore... The legendary commentator. Brian Moore um, was replaced by Clive Tilsley. He's not a name I grew up with. He was a director at Gillingham in the 70s and 80s. Did he grow up yeah. in Gillingham? I don't think he did, no. But I think he is um, from Kent. And as you touched on earlier, Gillingham are the only professional team in Kent. So, um, I th- And I think he used to have a bit of a soft spot for them anyway. And then, obviously, working in the media, commentating, he would... Uh, always sort of look out for Chillingham and, and results and go to games. And then, yeah, we had um, a chairman called Dr. Rosemont, who was there for a number of years. I think he was quite close to him and then, yeah, got him on the board. And I think he sort of really helped to raise the profile of the club as well. Chillingham's one of those teams that hasn't really got a number of... Um, Famous fans. Oh, no, you've got a really famous fan. At least Kevin Day pointed it out. You have a Jewish classics graduate, and I always have to mention them, Andy Zaltzman, the, the comedian, satirist, and cricket statistician, is a Gillingham fan. Isn't he? Well, I didn't know that. Ah. You... I knew um, Oz Clark, the wine taster, is allegedly a Gillingham fan. I've not seen him there, but... Mm, are you a fan if you're not there? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It depends where you live, I suppose. I always, personally, I, I think you've got to go to games. I, personally, I, I wouldn't like it if I couldn't go to the games, as we've all found out this past year, really. Yeah. Not going to the games, it's been... Well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm always interested to ask about family members. You dedicate this book to your grandma, is it Alfreda? And uh, yeah. you've got lovely wife, Sophie, I hope she's lovely, and two kids, Holly and Harry. Are they all fellow Jills? No. <laughs> well, what have you done? None of, none of those are. No, my, my wife, she's uh, very understanding. Let me get on with what I, I do and go to games and things, but yeah, she's not interested at all. She did, when we first met, met each other, she did start go for a, a while. In fact, it was the season two, uh, 2013 when we won the League Two Championship. So she's a lucky owner. And she's not been back since, really. So, oh. yeah. And how old are your kids now? My daughter is not, uh, 19. I've got two opposite ends, really. My daughter is 19, and um, my son, Harry, is just one. Oh, fantastic. That's very nice. So you've got a babysitter when you need one. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) That's great. Um, Yes, you did win the fourth tier, as you'd done in 1964. You won it in 2013. You also came second in the fourth tier in 1974, and 1996. Uh, that 2013 win, 
A lot of players are represented here. Was Bioakin Fenwa there at the time? No, he wasn't. No, we he'd he'd been there. I think it, it was the season before, maybe the season before that. And he had a he struck up a brilliant partnership with Cody McDonald, and then he was only there for one season. And then we re-signed him when we got promoted. We re-signed him, and again he stayed for another season. Yeah, I, I knew he played in the 2010s, and his book, The Beast, uh, is in the library. I like what Carla Saba said. Uh, he compliments your book because it means that. Uh, his kids can get a context of who and what he did. Carla Saba is one of those, I call them Vidi printer names. You always seem to see them scoring on a Saturday afternoon and having Jeff Stelling yell their name out. Have you met Carl? I, I've not met him myself, no. I've, um, but I've, I've spoken to him a lot of times via um, social media since doing this, and he's, yeah, he's a very nice guy. There's um, a lot of, a lot of uh, players on social media. Leon Legg uh, often pops yeah. up. Uh, and he is represented in Ginningham Legends. I know Bradley Dack has spent a lot of time in the, the last few years not playing football for Blackburn. He yeah, makes yeah. the 11, uh, which uh, we'll go through them, actually. Uh, so we've already talked about Ron Hilliard. Your three defenders are Egan, Hope and Bruce. I forgot Bruce played for Gillingham for so long. Yeah, yeah it's incredible, isn't it? Um, you think of the, the career he had and particularly like the years at Man United. And to think that he played for Gillingham for, I think it was like five or six seasons, um, played over 200 games before even sort of making a, a real career for himself. Again, that's not what happens these days. If anyone, someone like that, makes a bit of an impact, they're going to be signed within the first season, either make or break getting to the Premier League team or, or just sit in the reserves. Or, or be out on no, loan. No, Branthwaite, the chap who moved from Carlisle to Everton, has been loaned out, and they've obviously got high hopes, yeah. but they've bought him as an asset. Whereas in the 80s, yeah. footballers weren't really assets. It was a completely different time because of the laws surrounding ownership and gate receipts. Uh, but compare and contrast, uh, actually all three of them. So Bruce was the earliest, then Hope, and then Egan. Yeah, Bruce, obviously... Is arguably the, the most famous player ever to play for Gillingham. We all know about him and what he's done, and obviously he's a big uh, Premier League manager now. And then uh, Chris Hope was one we signed when we got into the Championship, when we when we got promoted to the Championship, first time in our history in 2000. The, the team we had was almost there, really. We had such a good team and it didn't need much adding to it. So we had three players at the time, which was Chris Hope, Paul Shaw and Marlon King, who was quite young at the time. And, um, yeah, we did very well. Chris Hope was a player that played in the Scunthorpe and he's one of those players, I think at Scunthorpe he played a ridiculous amount of consecutive matches. He just never got injured, never was suspended. And he did the same when he signed for us. I think he played 180 games or something like that, near to that, without missing a game. And he was so steady and strong and good in the air. And when you've got someone like that that, that's there week in, week out. And uh, yeah, Johnny Egan, more recently, was young, didn't know anything of him when we signed him. And he was just, again, fantastic day one. And because of his age, it, it was obvious he was going to go on to higher things. And now he's playing in the Premier League and... I think Sheffield United have missed him a lot this season because he's been injured for quite a while. Mm. I think that's probably a, a, one of the factors to why they've had 
such a poor season this year. It's so crucial, especially at the lower level, but at the higher level as well. If you lose a top, top player, then the trust and just the mental side of playing a football match, knowing that Virgil van Dijk is in defence, must help the Liverpool midfield more than Nat Phillips, Reese Williams, although they've done very well the last 10 games. Uh, Steve Bruce is now managing his hometown club, and it's the job that he's waited for all his life, and all he gets is fans saying, get out of our club, you're Ashley yeah. Stooge. Did he ever manage Gillingham? He hasn't, no. Not, well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... No. no, the ship has gone. He, he, I think he's always been a bit, bit too high-profile, really. I mean, obviously, since he retired from playing, he's always had sort of championship and, and Premier League jobs. I think he's a decent manager. I think he's done quite well in a lot of the jobs he's had. But I think he was always going to be up against it at Newcastle because he wasn't the big name they wanted or probably need after Rafa Benitez. I think they, they were sort of hoping for a, one of these big names, maybe big name foreign managers. And yeah, Steve Bruce, who was, I think was managing Sheffield Wednesday at the time in championship, wasn't what they wanted. Well, I'd, I am looking at this statistic, which I almost can't believe. This is 1995 to 1996, which is a season I guess you remember well, because Paul yeah. Scally had bought Gillingham out of receivership for 100 pence and installed Tony Pulis as manager. How many goals did Gillingham concede in Pulis's first season? 20, I think, in the league. I have written here, proper Pulis. Say what you like yeah. about him. He's very good defensively. Did it get on your nerves... Um, having Gillingham in 1995-6 um, not conceding any goals? Or did you quite enjoy seeing like a disciplined 4-4-2 every week or every fortnight? Personally, I loved it. It was, um, as you say, we were in receivership. We had the early 90s was a very, very dark period for Gillingham. We nearly went out of the league at one point. We had no money. We were sort of fighting to survive. And then we were, as you say, in the administration, we was on the brink of going out of business. Uh, Paul Scully, I mean, he's got a lot of people that don't like him, but whatever you can say about him, he, he saved the club and he, the first 10 years of his ownership or nothing but success. He seems very yeah. similar, just on Scully. I, I only now know how he made his money. I know Alan Sugar made it in dishes. Scully made it in photocopiers. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Where did his money come from after photocopying... I suppose you can still you still have scanners and photocopiers. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that business is long gone, but, but um, which is probably a big reason why we're sort of, although we're we, which is something that can't be rumbled with as well when people when fans do moan about we're financially stable, which is in the current climate yeah. is a good thing. Gillingham are never oh. yeah you're never bracketed with any of the clubs who have charlatan owners. Scally seems like. No. Uh, and that's why I bracketed him with Lee Power at Swindon. But Scally is the one who appointed Tony Pulis, and he is pictured in Gillingham legend without a cap. Did he never wear a cap when he was managing Gillingham? <laughs> he did, he did. But uh, I think the picture I used as, as inspiration, he didn't have one on that one. And uh, funny you should say that, because Mr Asaba is the first one to pick up on that as well. Yeah, it's very strong branding with Pulis. Yeah, long know, long throws and baseball tough. caps. If you've ever listened to him summarise on Five Live, it, the accent is impenetrable. Uh, but he's a football man, a proper football man. 
And he'll be back in work soon. Obviously, he won't be able to live on Gillingham's salary offer because he's experienced the Coates family money. Uh, but it was Pulis who was manager in 1999. I said I would gloss over this as much as possible. <laughs> but were you there? Yes, yes, I was there. Up until the 90th minute, absolutely fantastic day. So obviously at that, that time, Gillingham had never got the what is now the championship in the history. We'd, since Scully had bought the club, We'd, um, and Curious have been in charge. We've just gone, got bettered ourselves each season from that first season. And he, he kind of, if you, if you look at the, the squads from that 95 96 season to the 98 99 season, it's a completely new team. Within four seasons, he rebuilt a new team to go to that next level. And the players we had were, were fantastic. The two strikers, Mr. Asaba and Robert Taylor. He, we sold Addy Akinbai the season before. So, yeah, with, the, with that money, the 1.2 million from Akinbai, he um, bought uh, Robert Taylor and Carla Sava. So, you had two strikers replacing one, really, and they were fantastic. Both got 20 goals a season and took us to that next level. We got to the playoff final. It was a fantastic day. I think it is still the highest attendance for a playoff final at that um, level because both teams sold their allocations we played really well that day we played really well no one expected us to do anything and then you go one nil up late on think this is good brilliant and then once we got the second goal I think everyone just thought that's it you watch watch it back now the commentators said that's Gillingham are promoted at 2-0 the City fans were famously started leaving the game and then got the goal back they're running back in fans mm-hmm. and then suddenly yeah he, he get the five minutes added on which to this day no one knows um, Mr Housey the referee got that from and uh, yeah almost what seems the last kick of the game Paul Dickoff scores against his best man who uh, Vince Bartram, because they're at Arsenal together oh so that's where players. I know the name Bartram yes ex-Arsenal yeah he was Reserve keeper Arsenal for quite a while, yeah. And then, yeah, and then once, once it got to extra time, I think we were so deflated, I can't remember anything about extra time. It was just, it was always going to go to penalties, I think, and that, that wasn't very good. <laughs> three misses, three misses, and Man City went up. This is the same Manchester City yeah. that in five days' time are going to be playing Chelsea to try and get their first UEFA Champions League title. Uh, just that's how the world has worked now with the petrochem dollars from Abu Dhabi. And yet the metronote chap, Paul Scully, uh, decided to get rid of Tony Pulis. Uh, were they um, at loggerheads with each other? Was it time for Pulis to move on? Or did it just kind of knock the wind out of everything? And Pulis said, look, I've done yeah. all I can. No, he, he was he was sacked for gross misconduct. Oh, um, yes. I mean, I, I don't know if I was being naive or, or, or not, but at the time it was a massive shock. And we thought because he obviously done such a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, they yes, things went on behind the scenes. There's lots of rumours and things, and it was all, in the end, it was settled out of court. But um, it's safe to say Mr Scully, so I don't know about Tony Pulis, he's not, he doesn't really talk about it, but Mr Scully is always, um, he's, not, he's not very fond of Mr Pulis. No, well, and I'm sure, hopefully, if uh, Paul Scully writes a book, um, maybe, maybe I'll have him in. But Scully and yeah. Pulis are both Gillingham legends. 
Uh, I'm just trying to yeah. skip to uh, the picture of Paul Scally, uh, who is... Here we go. He's got... Where's the inspiration for this picture? He's in a tracksuit with his arms yeah. aloft. Well, that was after that first season, the 95-96 season, we got promoted um, final way game at Fulham at Craven Cottage. This, again, shows you how football's changed. Mm-hmm. Fulham were in Division... I think they finished mid-table in Division 3. More footballers want to go to south-west London for reasons unknown than to Gillingham. So even though uh, Fulham were high up in that division, uh, it took Mohamed Al-Fayed's money to rise, rise them through the divisions. Yeah, uh, but happier times, 2000 under Peter Taylor. Uh, I just watched the highlights and you better believe that Substitute Thompson is in the book in a yellow shirt with his arms up. Uh, because it was his goal that won it in extra time. Were you at Wembley that day as well? Yeah, of course I was. Yeah, I think if, I think Andy Thompson, if if he hadn't have done anything else in a Gillingham shirt just for scoring that goal alone, he'd be in the book. It's a brilliant goal, <laughs> really good goal. Do you oh, remember yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, def- yeah. I remember it vividly. The diving header it was um, by Gooden's cross, and the commentator said, "Put him on the ball," and he said, "And that is a Gooden famous commentary." Yep. For Gillingham fans, and uh, yeah, Tom Thompson with the diving header got in front of his man, headed it across goal, and that was just um, fantastic. It was such a dramatic way to win it. It was kind of like the, the perfect 12 months previous. Yeah, exactly. Every year, Gillingham fans must have a really fun three day period where May 28th you celebrate the win in the third tier yeah. playoff final, and then the 30th of May 1999. Uh, was the Nicky Weaver final. The 31st of May, 1999. Do you know what happened then at Wembley? The day after, so it would have been the... Uh, oh, the... right, so that, would have, that was that the championship final. Yeah, Nicky Wright's overhead kick, my favourite goal I've ever seen with my eyes. I remember it photographically, rising above with an overhead kick uh, to defeat Bolton. And that was the day after. There are some Watford connections uh, not just Andy Hassenthaler, but there was an unused substitute who played a role as a squad player at Watford in the first Pozzo season. This particular player was an unused sub in the playoff final in 2000, and the first season of the Pozzo's 2012-13 uh, was a squad player for Watford. Would that be Noz Wemming? 199 appearances for Gillingham. Noz, he looked like one of those professional footballers with a lot of experience. He played a couple of games as part of a three at the back. Uh, is he still cherished? Yeah, he's very well regarded at Gillingham. He came through our youth team. He was more of a right-back for Gills. By the time we were in the championship, he sort of cemented that right-back position as, as his own. He was very good going forward. He, he got a few goals as well. And um, one of those players where like to play out from the back and it didn't always work and... Sometimes your heart would be in your mouth, but he was, um, yeah, he was very well loved, and he ended up one of the the season we got relegated from the championship. He was out of contract, and he moved on then. But yeah, he's he's fondly remembered. Now, I think I rate him as one of the best right backs we've had certainly in the last thirty years. Now, riddle me this: the shirt that Nyron is wearing here it has horizontal stripes, uh, but some of the shirts are pale or um, yellow, or... Currently, you're wearing blue. Yeah. Um, and then the away kit is black and white stripes. I 
think it's actually this season it's, it's gone back to red again. Right. It has been. <laughs> it changes. Yeah. Yes, of course. I, I see what you're alluding to. <laughs> Sim- well, similarly, Akin Fenwa's shirt, uh, blue and maroon or blue and black stripes. Is, is it easy to say what? shirt Gillingham fans prefer horizontal or vertical stripes and is there any correlation between the club doing well when wearing any particular jersey yeah I, I think most fans would say they've done well normally if you look back that 98-99 that season the last season under Tony Pulis so that's what we were with I don't know for sure but I think that might be the first season we, we wore that strip the, with the, or certainly that style of strip and um, we got so that was the, obviously the Man City playoff final year. We had such a fantastic season. We wore it again the following season and got promoted. So I think everyone sort of thinks of it for that team. And then we, yeah, we we sort of gone back to it now and again. And I, I think the, the vert, uh, horizontal one was the season we got relegated. So yeah, mm. definitely have to be. The, Good, so you'll never wear that again. Now, to return to this Jill's 11, which is at the back of the book, Gillingham Legends, which is an illustrated history of Gillingham FC's greatest ever players and staff, published... Well, how do we get this book? It's via social media, on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's quite a niche product. It's mainly for for Gillingham fans. But yeah, if you can contact me via there, I can get people copies... I think it's a it's such a fantastic idea because you you've done this over time, uh, and you pop them on social media. What's the second most popular animation? Obviously, Hessenthal is number one. Yeah, I think the, probably the one that, that certainly liked the most was uh, Danny Kedwell. He's a local boy. He was a Gillingham fan. Yeah, he came. In, we, we signed him from Wimbledon after they got he scored the winning goal at Wembley for AFC Wimbledon to get them back into the league, and then we signed him quite a lot of goals for us he was another player a big strong player but um, passionate and fans love to see that and the fact that he was a local boy yeah he's very popular a lot of people know him as well which is why yes which is another marvellous thing about local community oriented clubs because you do get to know the chaps Todd Campwell at Norwich Uh, I think his mum works for the Tesco in Norwich, so that's partly the oh. reason why Campwell is still there. Um, Kedwell did not score as many goals as Brian Yeo, or Yao. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's Yeo. It is Yeo, good. Um, yeah. Who was before your time. Uh, we've mentioned Robert Taylor, who was voted the second greatest player of all time. Have you met him? Or if you haven't, what does he think of his drawing? Uh, I've, I've not met him, but I've uh, spoken to him over via social media He's another one who wrote nice uh, endorsement. Again, pictured in a striped shirt with his arm in the air. Two spells. Why did he come back to Gillingham in 2001? Had something happened? His first spell, he was absolutely brilliant. And when he left that season, it was the season we we won promotion. He he left halfway through, went to Man City. He was just on fire. I think he scored something like 18 goals in 15 appearances. And he just, everything he hit, and they, they weren't tappings either. We're, we're talking well, 30 yard screamers, and it was just everything he hit. It was just, I, I, I say it to this day, I, I've never seen a player in such form at like a, a period as, as Bob Taylor at that time. 
And uh, yeah, he went off, went to Man City, helped them get promoted back to the Premier League. And then they got rid of him because he, he, he'd done what he, they brought him in to do. And he went to Wolves. And I think um, his career, I think he got an injury at Wolves and he wasn't very well looked after today. He doesn't, I've heard an interview with him, someone else, and he, he doesn't speak very fondly of Wolves. So I think he was sort of very um, mistreated there. And he ended up coming back to Gillingham on loan. He was a shadow of the player at that time. I don't think he was fit. He only played a handful of games. Uh, yeah, it was sad to see, really. Because yeah. he was, when he left, he was just in such fantastic form. Wasn't it? He was never going going to stay. But if he had, it would have been. I'd uh, uh, love to see what how many goals he would have got that season had he stayed. It is so. Point. There are so many of those tales. Matt Jansen, in particular. Uh, what if? What if? Uh, to complete the eleven. The other midfielder, along with Hessenthaler and Dak, is Paul Smith. And the wingers are Terry Cochran and Matt Jarvis. Matt Jarvis, who went to West Ham. Yeah, yeah. He went to, well, he went to Wolves from us. And I think probably spent a lot of his career at Wolves in the Premier League. got promoted to the Premier League with them. And um, he was a brilliant player for us as a, as a kid. Broke another one that got came through the youth team. So quick, lightning pace, and he, he just used to run down that left wing, cut inside onto his right and and hit it in the top corner from 25 yards. If you look back at his Gillingham goals, probably 80% of them make that exact move every time, but they just, he was so quick, they couldn't get near him. And you've just got yeah, him, just the, the image that you've got is him leaning to his right, presumably on a yeah. run cutting inside, but yes, four seasons... Yeah. 2003 to 2007. So you would have seen him quite a bit, along with later yeah. on Bradley Dack. And then when did Terry Cochran come in? Terry Cochran was early to mid-80s. He's a player, I think, out of all the players that I haven't seen, he's before my time, but of all the players I haven't seen, he's the one I wish I'd have seen the most uh, from the stories I've heard. he's Everyone that had seen him play said he was most talented player Gillian ever had, most, most naturally talented. It's one that at the time when we signed him, a bit like now really, <laughs> a lot of the players we signed well, you, you never really heard of because he was an international player who played for Northern Ireland. And I think the season before, he got an injury which made him miss out on the World Cup. Northern Ireland, he would have been at the World Cup the season before, if not for injury. And then he ended up at Finger. I think he was a real entertainer. Yeah, he famously scored a goal from half down for up speech. I'm absolutely gutted that there's no footage of. Oh gosh! Ever seen? <laughs> so you'll have yeah, you have to just go by anecdotes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but he was um, yeah, he's the player I'd like to see the most. I think he was he was a real yeah. entertainer. Terry Cochran. Another thing I've done on my um, doing the legends on the social media, I've done a Q and A, like a ten ten quick fire questions with a few players that I've in contact with and Terry Cockburn was one I did and he's a he's Northern Ireland international as I was saying he's I asked, one of the questions I ask is who's your hero as a your football hero as a kid and unsurprisingly his was George Best mm. he actually he said he actually got to play with that kind of shift between one era and the next maybe that's that could be a good article players who so people who played with Steve Bruce in the 90s, like David Beckham played with Steve Bruce. That seems crazy, and yet it happened. Name me the player who played in four separate spells, you couldn't get rid of him, 
uh, for Gillingham, including an appearance in the 2000 playoff final. Yeah, Nicky Southall. 374 appearances, and he's also in some vertical stripes. Uh, the ball just coming in off his right foot. You can see many of these at Jill's underscore legends on Twitter. Uh, is Nicky Southall one of the players you've met? No, again, I, 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 to be honest, I don't think I've met any of them, really. I've spoken to them via social media and I've got the, the signed prints. Nicky Southall, yeah, he's very uh, nice guy, very friendly and yeah, he was helpful. And he, he's um, currently assistant manager at Nova with Andy Hassenthal. Oh. His mate, so he sorted out um, a signature from Hesse as well. Brill. But uh, yeah, and he, 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 he's a northern guy. Um, it just clicked with Gillingham, loved it. As you, you say, four spells, he still lives in the area now, more of a southerner now these days. What's yeah, going on uh, with Dover? Are they going to be able to play next year or are they going to be chucked out? I don't know, I don't know. They're obviously, I, I think they're trying to go ahead as normal, but I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Because obviously they... Stop playing games because their chairman said if they carry on playing games, they're going to go out of business. They couldn't physically play the games, <laughs> and then they got fined for not playing the games, which seems a bit silly considering the reason for it is a global pandemic. It's not their wrongdoing that's, that's causing them to forfeit the games. Talking about this no. pandemic, uh, you've spent the last year eye following uh, the players. Will any of the current crop become? Gillingham legends. You've got um, Jordan Graham, Connor Ogilvie, Kyle Dempsey. Is that Vadane Oliver? Vadane. Yeah, Vadane Oliver. Vadane Oliver. Yeah. Jack Tucker, uh, the gaffer, wearing mittens for some reason. It must be cold. <laughs> um, and former Watford goalkeeper. I was at the Bonham game. I remember it fondly. Uh, you know the story, yeah. of course. Uh, Amunia got injured in the warm up, Johnny Bond got injured on the game. And 20 minutes after Jack Bonham thought he was just going to be a spectator, he was in goal against Leeds United, final day, match day 46 uh, of the championship season. And he's now at Gillingham. Well, he's just left, actually, because he's out of contract. So he's just, he's not, he's turned down a new contract. I read an article about what you were saying. He did an article with the Athletic. Yeah, with that, yeah, with that and Levitar, yeah. Talking about that day and, and how it's all it's fired him to, to try and uh, right his wrongs, really, and, and get back in the championship, which is why I think he's turned down the new deal with us, cause, and uh, he, I think he's aiming to go time for a championship club mm-hmm. and uh, prove that he can play there. There are only 12 players contracted to Gillingham at the moment, so it will be another summer of uh, getting to know some new names. Are you hopeful next year that Gillingham have a wonderful season. I can't remember where they finished in League One this season. I think we finished 10th, might be 9th. Of the teams that you were around, it's Portsmouth, Ipswich, Accrington, Crewe, Milton Keynes, Doncaster, and yeah, a 10th place finish, scoring 63, but conceding 60, which is far more than Ipswich. So do you need to work on particular elements of the squad for next season? Yeah, I think it's going to be, as you say, another season of transition where this is since Steve Evans came in. The first season he came in, he got rid of a lot of players. Players were out of contract, brought in a whole new team. Um, And then it took a while for them to gel. And then we started getting getting on a run of form and we were 
sort of going up the table and looking at the playoffs, and that was when the uh, pandemic started. So the season ended early, so we don't know what would happen then. And then this season, it's been a similar thing, really, where, again, a lot of the players left or he got rid of players and he brought in a lot of new players again this season. And a, a, a similar thing happened where we started fairly slowly and then I feel we, we should have really made the playoffs this season. We had a couple of games where we threw away leads last minute goal. We could have been in there. Um, but it looks like he's going to have to do the same again. If he can do it a third time or not, but um, a lot depends on the, the players we've got, the star players like Tucker, Dempsey, Oliver. Um, if we can keep them, you've got a good spine there. Uh, the book is available via social media. Uh, for how much money? It's £15. Very good. Uh, and these individual prints, uh, how much are you offering for one of those? Uh, a print unsigned and a print that's been signed? Uh, the, the signed prints are purely to uh, competition, so I, I sort of do their better players to sign on that understanding. I'm not, I'm not making money Great. out of those. That's super. But, um, the prints themselves can be bought for £8 for an A5 print or £12 for an A4. Or if you want 11 of them, uh, that's a, can you do a good deal for 11 if you want the Jill's Legends team? I could do, I yeah. could do that. <laughs> Fab. Well, Jim Norley, this, this football library visit, you've helped me tick off another club in the 92. I'm really pleased that you brought out a book of all these animations. Um, are there any other Gillingham books that you've read? Uh, if you want to recommend Alan Tyra's scrapbook. Yeah, that, that's an online thing, Gillingham FC scrapbook. And that's like a, that's like a, a Bible for Gillingham fans. It's got uh, newspaper cuttings, reports, videos, everything from virtually every season of the Gillingham. <laughs> Fantastic. Brill. The art of the club historian. Watford have got a couple of them. Trevor Jones, uh, who passed away recently. Uh, Matt Rowson, Ollie Phillips, who covered the paper. And I'm sure every club has got a historian, but it's very rare uh, to have an animator who has brought 175 players, staff, stadium announcers, big Scottish blokes uh, who wear mittens. I'm, I'm sure you, that must really, that's going to annoy him, Steve Evans drawn with mittens on. Was it? Yes. And I wish you luck uh, trying to get out of the third tier again. Are you slightly ambivalent uh, if Gillingham do go to the playoffs because then you'll have yet another possible final at Wembley that you may lose having led. Yeah, maybe. I think it would be a fantastic achievement just to get there. But if you, if you look at the history, we've had four, we've been involved in the playoff four times. Every time we've got to the final um, and we've only we've won two at Wembley and lost one. So we've We've done better than we have. Okay, well, two out of three, as Meatloaf famously said, ain't bad. Well, there is still time to convert your son to being a Jills fan. Hopefully you can take him uh, in a few seasons' time. But I hope you get to go back to the Priestfield next season because football without fans uh, is not great. Jim Norley, thank you ever so much for visiting the Football Library. Have a good rest of the summer. Thank you.